1: It feels like more than an honor. You know, people say, the word I'm so honored, but it feels like a privilege to be able to sit with you because um, I think that you have been favored with, gifted with such an ability to create an aperture for people to see themselves through your words. And so it feels like I'm sitting in the presence of some kind of majesty with the way that you were able to do that. So I thank you for taking the time to be here with me because I've read all of your works and I come away from every experience, especially men we have reaped, salvaged bones, especially all of them. I come away from every one of them with that Negro spiritual in mind, I know I've been changed. And so what does it feel like for you on your side of it? to have this gift?
2: I think that most of the time, it doesn't feel like it's like it's a given, right? I think, um, like most writers, I sh- struggle with it often.
1: Uh, but you know you have the gift. I
2: know right? I have the gift, Yeah, okay. uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sort of outside, right? I
1: need the tissues already? <laughs> okay, yeah, I'm just tearing up at the end. Okay, so you know you have the, you I know, know you have, have the, the gift. Yeah. But
2: I, th- when you're actually sitting down doing the work, yeah. I don't think I'm necessarily aware of it. Like, mm-hmm. it fe- I think I become so immersed in the world mm-hmm. and, the char- and with the characters that I'm writing about that I'm just sort of less aware of it. And mm-hmm. it feels like, I don't know, it just feels like I'm in, in some liminal space with r- real people because my characters, whenever I'm sitting with them, they seem very alive to me.
1: Well, obviously,
0: they do, (laughs) they come alive. Did you know that it's Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month? Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAPI-owned brands right now, like Cardon, Kaja, Amelia George, and Hey Meave. Plus, you can help to support college access and student success when you donate online or round up in store to APIA scholars.
1: Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic, cause we came to play at Walt
0: Disney World Resort.
1: You know, we're both from Mississippi. That's one of the things that first drew me to you as a writer, and I'm wondering how you still live there, how being in that space, affects or influences your writing at all?
2: Yeah, I, you know, I made the decision to return home mm-hmm. and to live and work and write at home as an adult because I just, I wanted to see what it would be like. Mm-hmm. Because I've, you know, i basically fled when I graduated from, mm-hmm. from high school, I thought, I need to get out and, I you know, go why. somewhere else. Right, yeah. right. But then I returned, and I think... I think it serves my work, it serves my writing because it keeps me honest, right? Because I'm surrounded by the kind of people that I write about, you know, I have a really Mm -hmm. large family, a really large extended family of solid community. And so being around them, yeah, it keeps me honest. And also I love the landscape of home. You know, it's very beautiful to me and it inspires me. And so uh, I think that there's worth in being, like, surrounded and enveloped by that that landscape, too. Mm. Uh, because it speaks to me, and I feel like that speaking finds its way into my work.
1: Yes, and you know what? This is such a spiritual journey, I thought. So aside from the... Not even aside from, because you can't get away from the spiritual component of Annis' life, why did you decide to do a story about American enslaved people at this particular time and I ask that because I remember when I was going around in 1998 mm-hmm. were you even born? <laughs> yeah. Okay. In 1998 promoting um, the movie Beloved, the question I would get from the press all the time in every interview was why do you want to do another movie about slavery and I went have there been a lot of movies about right. slavery? Right. Why do you, why do we still want to talk about slavery? That was in 1998. And I, I said, what stories have we heard about slavery other right. than Roots, right. you know? So what made you decide at this time that this was the time?
2: I got the idea from a show that I heard on NPR mm-hmm. that was about New Orleans history, right? Mm-hmm. And on that show, and this was around eight years ago, on that show they said that out of the dozens and dozens of slave pens that were located in the city of new orleans during the height of the domestic slave trade that there were only two markers eight years ago two markers in the city of new orleans where there were slave pens and one of them was in the wrong location Mm -hmm. and that was shocking to me and also it made me emotional like i started to tear up when i heard Mm -hmm. it because it because it felt very wrong yeah that that idea
1: that it's all been erased right,
2: that's all been erased
1: from like all of that that happened right. there didn't even matter right and There's I was not wanted, a marker right
2: yeah. and i wanted to push back against that and try to do what i could in my work to write enslaved people like annis back into the public consciousness because i, I talked to actually spoke to Tanya Coates about this mm. because i was feeling some anxiety when the water dancer came out because I was working on Let Us Descend. And I was like, I don't know if there is there room for this. Yeah. And he said, he said, you know, Jasmine, there were millions of enslaved people. So there are millions of stories to tell about enslaved people. Um, and, 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 it, and it's a very simple thing. It's a very simple statement, but it just made perfect
1: sense. Isn't that so interesting for us in our culture? We have to say, well, was that one enough? Right. Yeah. Will the public receive another? Right. So the fact that the story has been received Mm -hmm. and is now a New York, yet again, a New York (laughs) Times bestseller, Mm -hmm. does what for you? Makes you feel what?
2: It makes me feel uh, like I did something right, Mm -hmm. you know? like Because part of what I wanted to do with Let Us Descend is I wanted to crowd the reader into Annis's life Mm -hmm. and into her experience and i wanted to immerse the reader in annis's life we
1: are we're so immersed we're right there in we're in the stalls with her we're on that that journey we're also descending right yeah
2: because i feel like in this country that we aren't often we're not given that experience right like we when we talk when we learn about enslaved people in history when we talk about enslaved people they're flattened, right? They're just sort of flat types, right? And we're never able to, I don't know, we're never able to see right? and to see them as people, yes. complicated, complex
1: people. Can I talk about just you as a writer? So I think your virtuosic way with words, the way you describe groaning rivers and murmuring trees, a crying face split with sound Emotions snagging, ragged over frosted winter rocks. I, 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 where does that come from? <laughs> Tell us, I, Jasmine Ward. Where does that come from? I, I mean, how long do you have to work to find snagging, ragged over frosted winter rocks?
2: I, I, I have worked a lot. You know, I've studied a lot. I've read a lot, right? So I've done that work. I have worked very hard, Mm -hmm. and that is part of it. But I also think that I think there's something to be said for inspiration. I Mm -hmm. think there's something to be said for the presence of the divine. I think there's something to be said for gifts and for intuition. Mm -hmm. Um, Often when I'm writing, I'm so, again, it's, it's that word again, immersed in the experience with the character that it feels like that person is sitting there with me telling me the story. Mm-hmm. And so in a way, I'm just, I'm channeling and I'm opening myself to it and,
1: and, and hearing it. So she, Annis, is visited by the spirit mm-hmm. and is informed by and led by. Mm-hmm. Did you open yourself to the spirit, so to speak, before? Uh, What's your process for that?
2: I mean, I think I'd, I, I did open myself to Annis. You know, she's, it took me a long, it took me like around four or five years to figure out the way that I could understand Annis was through her emotion and through her grief. Mm. Um, and before, like in the, in the first five years that I was working on the book, I think it was actively resisting her For whatever reason, I could not, I don't know, I couldn't sink into the moment with her and I couldn't clearly hear her. But then when I began to wrestle with my own grief, then I could sit in that moment with her and be vulnerable with her and feel like her longing for her mother, right? Mm -hmm. And then also I think bear witness to the work that she does Mm -hmm. to move through her grief Mm -hmm. and make her way towards
1: a new a new reality Mm -hmm. a new new world so you were able to channel Mm -hmm. the grief that you were feeling for your partner right and use that Mm -hmm. but in the beginning i'm sure it just felt like this weight this burden this how long before you were able to take the pain of losing someone so close to you Mm -hmm. and channeling it into something that became powerful enough to transcend that moment and then to help transform all of us who read it?
2: So I didn't write anything for six months after my partner passed. Mm -hmm. And I got to a certain point where, because that's so strange for me, I'm always writing. I write five days a week, at least two hours a day. I'm always working. And so when I went those six months without writing and I just felt so hopeless, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and low, um, and I was mired in my grief. And so I thought, okay, what if this is it? Like, what if you were done? What mm. if you've written the last book that you'll ever write? And it, it was very sad for me. Mm. And it was painful to think that that
1: was the case. And is that because the words wouldn't come? They wouldn't. I couldn't write anything. The thing that you'd been doing forever, mm-hmm. now you just, you, you were empty. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Because I think at the, at the heart of what I do is hope, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. I feel like that's part of the, my motivation for writing about the people that I write about and writing about the places that I, that mm-hmm. I write about, right? It always comes from a, from a place of love and a place of, of hope that through my writing and through my work that you know by telling these stories, that that can do some good in the world. Mm -hmm. So I think that I was just so mired in grief with my my partners leaving Mm -hmm. that I didn't have that hope at Mm -hmm. that time. And so I sat with
1: that, that idea that I wouldn't write anything again. But did you give yourself time to properly mourn? Because I think that for so many people, and I think by now people who are following your story know that you lost your partner mm -hmm. during COVID. That was just such a shock to all of us the system the Mm -hmm. and you know when i now think of i think about it all the time when people say oh COVID's nothing Mm -hmm. i feel insulted right i feel insulted i feel that it somehow diminishes Mm -hmm. the sorrow and the grief that everybody who's been through that Mm -hmm. people who lost their loved ones Mm -hmm. where people say oh yes i haven't it it, it, it's nothing because I don't even think our brains could even comprehend right. all of it at the same time. Did you feel that, right. too? Was that part I, of it?
2: I did. I think, I think that that was part of what silenced me in those first months mm-hmm. as well. But then I just I heard this voice, and this voice said the last thing that he would want is yeah. for his loss to silence you. Mm-hmm. And... and And I and I said, okay, (laughs) you know, it felt like a communication. And so I said, okay, And then I dove back into the book. But I think the writing of the book, um, you know, because that took like two years. Right. Mm -hmm. After that, um, where I was working on the rough draft and then working on multiple, multiple revisions. I mean, I was still working my way through grief then. And to be honest, like I'm still working my way through grief. Of course you would be. It comes and it. It comes and it. Goes, it never leaves. Right. It's just not
1: as often. Not not, not as often, right? right? Yeah. And also, you never know when it's going to show up. Right. Never know when it's going to show up. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort.
2: You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new. Because Hulu has new stuff all the time.
1: what do you want the readers to feel when they come away from it? I wanna know what you felt when you came away from it.
2: It's, it's, it's difficult to answer that question because I don't wanna spoil anything at the end. But I, I can say this, part of what I learned in writing my way south with Annis and in sitting with her on her journey was that I, I learned that to wake up in the morning is, is resistance, right? To breathe is resistance, to stand up, to walk, to move at your own pace through the world. To choose to live is resistance. Resistance against what? Resistance against hopelessness, Yeah, I think. And um, resistance against giving up yeah. and uh, resistance against sinking into despair. Mm-hmm. Um, and so writing with Annis helped me I think, find my way to that, to that realization. I think we came to it together mm-hmm. in the book. And so that's what I, that's what, when I was done, right, especially with the, the big sort of final draft, the mm-hmm. big final version of it, that's what I sort of surfaced out of the narrative, you know, mm-hmm. like holding on to that idea that living requires hope.
1: Well, that's think, what I want people to know, too. I don't right. want to give anything away either. Mm-hmm. I don't, don't want to give anything away. <laughs> But I want people to know that you come out of it with a sense of hope and that her just continuing Mm -hmm. is its own form of liberation. Right. Yeah. 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 And it is obviously a historical novel, but what do you think it has to say about where we are now?
2: I think that we can all learn from Annis. I think that so many people, as you said earlier, are are struggling right now, yeah. you know, struggling with grief, struggling with a changed world, struggling to make their way into um, a future that looks very different from what they thought that their lives would, would mm-hmm. look like, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think there's something to be said for following a character like, like Annis, who, who finds her way through that, mm-hmm. right? who is able to create a you know, new and hopeful future for herself in the midst of hardship and tragedy.
1: Yeah, you know, in the very beginning, when the man who sired her sees her in the room and the kiss between the two of them mm-hmm. that happened, it's one of those things where the when I first read it, I went, Ah, oh, yes, of course, mm-hmm. women would have found mm-hmm. each other, men would have found each mm-hmm. other. They would have they would have found each other. Mm-hmm. When did it occur to you to make that relationship a relationship?
2: Mm, pretty early on mm-hmm. in the in the rough draft, because like you, it just it just, it came to me. Like, I think it was maybe part of her, like yeah. she was saying, this would happen. You know, yeah. this person would find me, this Safi, this person would sort of pull me from my grief. This mm-hmm. person would remind me that there
1: are lighter things. In there's life. a reason to keep going. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. And now that moment when you finish the manuscript and you hit send mm-hmm. and you can let it go and release it into the world, mm-hmm. Do you feel fully released, or is there a part of her that abides with you still?
2: Oh, there's always a part of your characters that abide with you, I think. I mean, I think, you know, all the books that I've written, those people are still with me, mm-hmm. um, you know, because because I, I love all the characters that I write. Um, mm-hmm. I, it's, it's actually a thing where, with every book that I ever finish, I always cry at the end, like once I send it off, because, because it, it makes me sad that i'm not able to live with the, the people you mm-hmm. know that i'm writing about day in and day out anymore mm-hmm. you know that now they'll go out in the world and they'll take on other lives and other meanings to you know to the audience to to readers mm. but but they still they
1: still remain with did me. you always know that you had this gift have you how long have you always known
2: i ha- i haven't I, So I've always loved reading, right? Because you're a reader before. Yes, of course, of course. I've always loved reading. When I was much younger, what authors did seemed like a sort of magic. Yeah. Right? Like when I was in elementary school. I still feel that. (laughs) I was like, that's so magical, but I I could never do that, right? And then I wrote a poem for Arbor Day when I was in sixth grade, Mm -hmm. and my teachers loved it. And it was the first time that I'd ever written anything and that people responded Mm -hmm. positively to it um and then I and so that then that planted the seed in the back of my head and I thought maybe this is something that I could do when I get older and and so I began writing mostly mostly poetry Mm -hmm. uh and then I tried to tackle fiction when I was in high school um and
1: well the poetry still comes through your writing
2: I love poetry I still read a lot of poetry and I tried to incorporate it in my writing. Yeah,
1: yeah. groaning rivers and murmuring trees. <laughs> Dude, absolutely poetic. So what what was the first author that you read that made you go, wow?
2: I can't I can't choose just one. Okay. I you know. We'll choose I, three. Okay. Tony Morrison, of course. Yes,
1: which which was the book? Beloved. Beloved.
2: Ooh, yeah. Beloved. Um I I might get some flack for saying this, but William Faulkner's As I Lay Dying mm-hmm. is a book that I love and that I read over and over again because I love the poetry of it. There's something about the South
1: that he Well gets- this is what I say about you. Mm-hmm. You know how to write the South. Yeah. And I think it's because <laughs> you are from the South, but yeah. also live in the South and also continue to commune mm-hmm. with Southern people right. in that in, in that world. You know how to write the South. Well, thank you. And when people compare you to Toni Morrison, I mean, isn't that just
2: I don't even know what to say about that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, I don't even know what to say about that. I mean, she's,
1: she's Toni Morrison, right? I mean. And you're Jasmine Ward. <laughs> maybe <three-time> one. time <laughs> winner of the National Book Award. I know when you were sitting there for the mm-hmm. second book, mm-hmm. which was Salvage the Bones, right? No, Sing Unburied. It was Sing, 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 Sing Salvage was the first. Yes. And Sing Unburied Sing is... The second, so you're thinking, I'm not going to get it because right. I've already won this. Right. Yeah, just right. won it. There's it, no way they're, yeah, they're going yeah. to give me this. And then it happens.
2: And I was, again, it's, it's always surreal, but just completely flabbergasted. And it was amazing, but uh, I think it's still, I don't know if I, it, it is
1: still not real to me. Mm. I think. Mm. What's the most rewarding? I know sitting in those ceremonies, getting the award, mm. having people who are, real readers acclaim mm-hmm. and proclaim that yours is the book of the year. But what's the most rewarding for you?
2: Mm. You know, I mean, every time I'm a finalist for an award or actually win an award, it is always very meaningful to me mm-hmm. because, you know, my past and being like a hungry writer in my 20s mm-hmm. and wanting this, you know, with, all, with everything in me, like, all of that still feels very present, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, so, well, that's good. That's yeah, good. So, so, I, so I always appreciate everything. But I do have to admit, on the day that I saw my face on the illustrated map of Mississippi and Mississippi writers, and, like, it's, like, Richard Wright, right, William Faulkner, right, uh, Natasha Trethewey, and then here I am, you know, Eudora Welty, and then here I am, like, down on the Gulf Coast, that was very... Special to me because I remember being a kid in my elementary school library and seeing that map, that literary yeah. map on the wall and thinking, wouldn't that be amazing if one
1: day like my, I would, could be on the literary map? So I don't know. That was With Eudora right. Welty and right. Richard Wright. And right. yes, yeah, that's amazing. Right. It's amazing. Well, I thank you. You are a treasure. You are a treasure. You're a treasure for this country. You're a treasure for... You're writers among writers, and you have blessed us with your words. You have blessed me so, and I know I've been changed (laughs) every time. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. You can follow Super Soul on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast.